0: Hey, Pi Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Passive Income Examiner. Welcome Pi Tribe, so glad you're here. Did you take advantage of the 100th episode giveaway? If not, this is your final chance to get a free strategy session whether you want help just figuring out where you're going, what's bouncing your ideas around so you get some clarity. Or you're looking for more tangible strategies. Maybe you already have an idea and you want a marketing plan. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. Either way, I'm here to help. All you need to do is head over to Instagram. Do it now because this this ends this week with this uh, airing of this episode. So head over to Instagram, follow the Passive Income Examiner, and share one of the posts that I've got posted there. And then shoot me a DM with the word strategy, and we will get you set up with an appointment. Okay, so take advantage of this. This is a hundred dollar value I'm giving away for free in celebration of a hundred episodes here on the Passive Income Examiner. You know, the other day I was going through my Canva, I was trying to clean some stuff up, and I came across this meme that I made. That said 500, 500, 500. Help me reach 500. <laughs> I remember when I made that, I was on a mission to hit 500 downloads. My friends, we have over 10,000 downloads now, and it's been less than two years since this podcast launched. I just, it's, it's interesting when you look back at where you start, you know, and you look at where you started and what you were doing and, and the mindset that I was in at 500, just trying to get to 500, I was so excited. And then trying to get to 10,000, it felt like forever, like, especially that last, I don't know, 2000 downloads. It's like, come on, baby. (laughs) That's funny. But you know what? It's a milestone. It's a huge accomplishment. Any podcaster understands. The accomplishment that that is. And I just want to give a huge warm thank you to all of you who tune in and download this podcast and listen in. I'm just truly grateful. I would love to hear from you, whether it's for the 100th giveaway or just to say hey and be friends on Instagram. Be sure to connect with me. I really do want to get connected. All right. Today's episode is when to call an idea quits. As an entrepreneur, it's common to get new and exciting ideas in fact, it can even be overwhelming at times just to keep all your ideas straight and not feel like this pressure to get to them all. But have you ever let go of an idea for one reason or another, and then you've been left wondering if you made the right choice? Perhaps you felt shrouded in some mild guilt, wondering if you should have pushed forward or worse, maybe soon after you called it quits, you saw someone else with your idea in the marketplace and kicked yourself for not persevering. At one time or another, every entrepreneur has moments like these. Today, we're talking about how you can tell if it's time to throw in the towel or push yourself onward and how to overcome the debilitating shame or guilt that may hold you back from succeeding in another way. Today, we're going to talk about three specific measuring sticks that you can use to test your idea. All right, let's dive in. So recently, I was chatting with an entrepreneur who mentioned she had an idea that she hadn't run with. And when she went back to pick it up later, she realized it no longer reflected who she was and what she was about. So she dropped it all together and moved on to pursue something else that was much more in alignment with herself. Conversely, I listened to an episode of the podcast, Big Money Energy. Honestly, I listened to this podcast probably a year ago, and it has stuck with me to this day. Like writing this episode out, I remembered this story. That's how significant it was. I recommend listening to it. It's a great episode. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so you can listen to it. He featured, uh, Ryan Serhant is the podcast host, and he featured Damon John, who's the founder of FUBU Clothing Company, who shared his on-and-off love affair with the apparel business. He experienced failed businesses along the way, but he kept coming back to the apparel industry where he addressed musicians, and eventually his perseverance paid off hugely, and he attributes his success to following his Why? So These two stories depict clearly one of the primary measuring sticks with which to test your idea against. Does it align with your why? The first entrepreneur knew that her idea no longer aligned with her why and felt completely satisfied letting it go, whereas Damon kept coming back to his, you know, back to his idea until it aligned with his why. He kept kind of pursuing it and each time it adjusted a little bit until eventually it came right down to completely aligning with his why. And that's when it really took off. Now, discovering your why can be a mission in and of itself, right? I mean, we've all been there and I know it's been true for me, but I will say this. When an idea aligns with my core values, and the the more clear my values have become over the years, the more success I have with my ideas. So I found this to be the case with the Freedom Business community. I've had this idea to start a membership for more than a year, but I couldn't think of specifically what I wanted it to be about, who it was going to serve, and how it would tie into my overarching brand. One day after receiving a message from one of our loyal Pie Tribe listeners who shared with me her new business idea, I knew without a doubt that I wanted to help people who are desperate to leave their current job or their income producing position and help them create a freedom lifestyle business the way that I've been able to do. Chills even came over me when I had this clarity and since then Everything about this has flowed easily and naturally. I can relate to the pain of feeling imprisoned by a career, longing for more, longing to have the freedom to spend time with my family, to live in a beautiful place, and to adventure in nature. All the things that I had dreamt about. I wasn't willing to wait until someday... And I knew there were others like me who had were who were in the same position that I was just not so long ago, jockeying around to figure out the right move, the right timing, and the right path. My why is to live my best life, be my best self, and make lasting memories with people that matter most, connecting with others who are ready to fly the coop. And reach for their best life is in perfect alignment with my personal mission, which is why the Freedom Business community is so good for me. So, you see, testing your idea in this fashion is a great way to determine its worthiness, and in my opinion, is one of the most important aspects to the validity of your idea. Pursuing an idea that aligns with your why helps to ensure that you will maintain the passion that can be that catalyst you need to help you persevere through challenges. Okay, number two way of measuring your idea and whether or not it's time to call it quits is does it align with the marketplace? So after you've confirmed that your idea aligns with your why, also confirm that it aligns Uh, aligns rather with the marketplace. So consider doing market research to determine the efficacy of the solution that your product is offering. For example, I put a post on a Facebook group that said I was looking to interview women who were seeking to leave their job and live a free lifestyle. My goal was only to speak to them to hear what problems they were facing and what goals and dreams they have In talking with these women, I learned a lot about common struggles and emotions that women are facing who feel trapped by life. I also got a glimpse of just how many people are truly desperate for change. It would be one thing to simply qualify an idea based on market need, but ideas go a lot further when backed by passion and ambition. This is why you want to make sure your idea passes both of these tests rather than just chasing after what the market is calling for. So what I mean by that is, it would be easy to say, oh, Lindsay just tested and the the market is calling for people who want a change in their life. I should start a blog and write about it or maybe an e-commerce store selling an affiliate link to X, Y, and Z. I mean, the ideas can come, but if this isn't a passion for you, then it may not come to fruition because of the fact that it's not aligning with you. Your passion and your ambition isn't going to be enough to sustain. You may just find that an idea that aligns with you and your personal mission even more will be more fruitful and even more fruitful quickly, I would venture to say. The third test for your idea is to ask yourself if it is recession-proof. So how do you determine if an idea is recession-proof? I mean, this is not an exact science, I will say that. The only way to really know is to go through a recession, (laughs) but I would advise you to start by simply thinking through your idea, using historical data to test it against. So here's a couple examples. Mary Kay says that they are a recession-proof business. It's part of the training the new consultants get, and they have historical data to back this up since their company has been in business through multiple recessions they stake their claim on the fact that women love their products and will continue to want to look their best even when money is tight working in the automotive industry i noticed dealerships did okay through most economic situations there was a couple, there was one i recall where some dealers went out of business but one thing i noticed is when economies were great The masses, the clients, the customers, they go out and they buy new vehicles. In a downturned economy, people don't buy new vehicles as much, but they do invest money into fixing up the vehicles that they're currently driving. So they're spending money in that service department. So dealerships that have a really well uh, organized dealership, both front and back end, do very well in all economies. I also noticed that recreational dealerships or dealerships that sold like ATVs, RVs, boats, and motorcycles usually did not fare well in downturned economies because people are not willing to, they're going to spend the money on their needs. They need their car to run so they can get to work, right? Uh, But they don't need their, a boat. That's a frivolous thing. They just don't need it. So they won't invest. In fact, a lot of people sell their extracurricular vehicles in downturn economies to make a little extra cash. So I made a mental note never to take a job in any of those industries. So take your idea and ask yourself this question. When people are down to their bottom dollar and they're making it by barely with, you know, just enough for food and gas, what will they still purchase? What will they still purchase? Will they invest in your product? Or is your product one of those that can thrive in a downturned economy? Because that is something that can happen too. Some, some specific products, services, or even coaching information type of products do very well in a downturned economy because people are seeking out the answers to whatever it is that your, your product solves. Right? So think about that. Just really ask yourself through that. So, in short, there are three pillars with which to test your idea. Does it align with you? Does it align with the marketplace? And is it sustainable in a downturned economy? If the idea meets these three pillars, then I say go for it with all you've got. Now, how do you bounce back from a failed idea? So, what is a failed idea? I think that's the first question. And in my opinion, a failed idea is just simply an idea that we deem a failure. We are the people that hold the, we're the judge and the jury on that, right? We decide if it's a failed idea. Just think about the entrepreneur I talked about earlier where she let the idea go. Came back to it, decided it wasn't for her, and said, "No, I'm not going back to it." She didn't consider it a failure. She just moved on to something else. It didn't even come up. When something is deemed a failure, is when we have an idea that we later are kicking ourselves in the butt over, right? Like we talked about, or um, maybe it's something that we just we have this lingering shame or guilt attached that is holding on to the fact that we should have pursued X, Y, or Z. Okay, that is what we're calling a failed idea, because really, in my opinion, as an entrepreneur, there is no such thing as failure. They're all learning lessons, and it is only our own mindset that determines whether or not we have something that's considered a failure. So first and foremost, keep that in mind. But the second thing is I want to talk about the word resiliency, because resiliency is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or it's it's a toughness, right? And you've probably heard the phrase that children are resilient. So as a parent, I've had plenty of moments marveling at the resiliency of my own kids as they cope with stomach bugs, knock on the noggin, you know, when they bump their heads or whatever, get boo-boos, or even snappy swiveling quarrels where the one minute feels like the whole sky is falling and then the next they're playing like nothing happened. I'll never forget this one time my husband and I were at a Goodwill in Arizona. At the time, my oldest son was about two and a half or three. He was in the cart with my husband while I had our younger son who was about 10 months old at the time. Now he was in my arms and I was trying to shop for summer dresses. My second son was one of those youngins that could not be satisfied with anything that was not his own idea. His idea at that moment was to run around the store, grab anything and everything off the shelf, hide among the clothing racks, and pretty much ruin my pleasing shopping experience. (laughs) My idea was to have him sit in the cart peacefully in acceptance of the passing time so I could lazily comb through the dress rack (laughs) and leisurely choose a couple dresses to buy. Well, he was not having my idea, and he proceeded to scream loudly in protest while I had him in the cart at that moment when he was screaming. Of course, I became embarrassed beyond belief, so I decided to carry him, which gave him some satisfaction. And any parent knows that carrying a baby and trying to push a cart is darn near impossible, so I decided to just grab a few dresses that I had and just go to the changing room. I was giving up on my shopping. Now, on the way, my foot stepped on one of the dresses. He was in my left arm and my right foot slid on that dress that was touching the ground. And I couldn't see it because, of course, I have him in my hands and my purse and the stuff and whatnot. And with both of my arms full, my son and I went crashing to the cement floor. His poor little forehead taking the brunt of his fall while my semi-free wrist took the rest as I tried to protect him. Oh my goodness, the moment is so real in my mind that even when writing this, it brought tears to my eyes because his scream was deafening His and his forehead was like a cartoon image where the lump just boing, like it, it just scoots out there like a raging red blister. And immediately my husband and I, we dropped everything and left the store going immediately to the ER, which thank goodness was only a couple of miles up the road. I was shaking. Here we are in the car. I'm shaking. My older son, who's looking around with like wonder, grilling me with questions about what happened. My husband shouting at me while we're driving. He's grilling me with questions about how's my son? What does his head look like? Is he bleeding? And I was turned around in my chair watching the knot on his forehead just continue to balloon out there. It was awful. Oh, I was so grateful. The hospital was so close. We pulled in, we got checked in. Thankfully, they got us in front of a doctor quickly because I don't think I could have handled that weight. I was in peril. (laughs) So was my son, of course. The next part is no joke. By the time the doctor came in, my son was calm, walking around the room, exploring everything without a care in the world. You'd have thought that the whole dramatic event never happened and that I was, you know, like making it up. say for the red mark on his forehead, that was still a bump. Okay. We had put ice on it and that obviously seemed to help. Meanwhile, I was still in full tear mode. Like certain my son was having a major brain damage moment. The doctor observed him, checked him out, held us over for some observation and eventually let us go and gave us that checklist of things to watch out for related to head injuries. Even driving home, though, I was still feeling the effects of this experience, and I went on about it with my family and my friends, like, for the next week or two, reliving it every time I told the story. My son, on the other hand, was happy as a lark, some pain reliever and cuddles, and he was off playing again. His resiliency helped him heal both emotionally and physically. He cho—he didn't hold on to it like I did. See, and that was the primary difference. Later, that same child broke his leg while on school field trip skiing. Yes, he is my accident-prone child. Months after the leg was healed, the cast was off. Doctor gave him the okay to go be normal. He was still afraid to run or put any significant amount of weight or use out of his leg because he was obviously afraid that it would hurt again, Right. But what's interesting is how it's the same kid, you know, when he's young, then he's a little bit older. And it's interesting to me how our memory serves as that powerful thing that can hold us back from moving past a traumatic event. The event passed, there's no reason to be holding on to it, and yet we can still let it linger. This is the problem. This is essentially the thing that keeps us from bouncing back. It keeps us from that resiliency. And this is the way to reverse it. Forgiveness. You see, the only reason we struggle to move on is because somewhere deep inside, we're holding on to that, quote, failure and letting it define us The cure is to forgive ourselves for that shortcoming. And of course, I'm giving you air quotes there because, again, you define it as a shortcoming, right? That's what we're doing in our own head. Then find compassion for the choice you made. Recognize that you did the best you could with what you had in that moment and empower yourself to move forward with encouragement and positivity. Even now, I still haven't forgiven myself for carrying the dresses the way I did in a way that caused me to fall. If I had forgiven myself completely, I wouldn't be still affected by the memory. That's how you can tell if you have forgiven yourself fully. When you think about the triggering event and you no longer feel emotional, you know you've moved on. You'll feel satisfied with what happened. As in like, okay, it just is. I I learned from it and now I can go on anew and that's that. There's no lingering emotion attached. All right, my friends, I hope that was helpful. Certainly helpful to learn whether or not you should hold on to an idea or let it go. And if you do let it go and it somehow you can't seem to actually let it go. (laughs) Now you know how to move on and until next week I appreciate you tuning in bye for now if you like mommy so leave a you thank you so much for being a loyal listener I am truly grateful for you and if this podcast has inspired you in any way head over to iTunes and leave a written review I would appreciate it so much thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends